This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And welcome back to some sort of the Clear Jets podcast. We're your hosts, Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Michael, back with another offensive coordinator candidate preview this time, talking about Daryl Bevel, whose name was floated around. I think it was the first name floated around once Michael Flores fired. And I got to say, a lot of fans, not a fan of Daryl Bevel. And I don't know if that's just because he threw the ball on the one-yard line or just because he's been in the NFL forever and has had some mid-offenses. But I don't think his resume is as respected as maybe it should be. So we're going to hop into that. As always with these, we bring on somebody who knows a hell of a lot more about these candidates than we do. And that brings us to Morgan Cannon at mcannon313 on Twitter. Uh, he's a contributor for Pride of Detroit. We decided let's go with the Lions guy to paint a, a full picture of Bevel. Could speak to, to his past tenure in, in Seattle and whatnot. But I think the Detroit tenure is maybe the most interesting one uh, when examining his uh, potential as the, as the Jets' offensive coordinator. So with that said, Morgan, how you doing, man? Doing really well, guys. Thanks for having me on. Do you agree with me? Do you think Daryl Bevel gets a gets a bad rap from, uh, from other f- fans? I will say I've seen – I've, I've peaked on Lions Reddit. I always like to, to look at, you know, what do what do fans think of their offensive coordinators, their former players? Like That's like my first thing. And then I go and do my own research. And got to say, Lions fans didn't seem to really hate Daryl Bevel. I mean, they had other things going on with Matt Patricia, but it seemed like, oh, he's a good guy. His offense was was all right. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I get the hate. Do you think he gets a bad rap? I, I definitely do just because, well, his time in Detroit was obviously it was – accompanied with the Boston boys, you know, so that was during uh, Matt Patricia was the head coach and Bob Quinn was the general manager, both uh, Patriots products, if you will. And I, yeah, I'd had no issues with Bev. Uh, Stafford seemed to really get along with him and like get in sync with him. He's playing some really, really good ball, particularly if they want to go back, if y'all want to go back and watch some of those games from the 2019 season, particularly the beginning, uh, that was the probably the precipice of the Patricia era, if you will, like the everything after that was downhill. So if you want to go back, I think the Lions were like 2-0-1 and and the Lions hosted the Chiefs and the line went head to head with Mahomes, man. They lost on kind of a controversial fumble call on carry on Johnson at the time They got returned to the crib. And uh, but Bevel had Stafford humming along, man. He was making some crazy throws. If you remember that highlight, it was like one of the throws of the year, but it went through like three or four different Chiefs defenders, like to Kenny Galladay in the back of the end zone. So that was all under Bev. And the the offense performing the way it was kind of kept that ship afloat because Patricia's defense was always bad and he wasn't loved by the players. So, yeah, (laughs) 
we can we can get into all that for sure with the, uh, him becoming a head coach. But yeah. Yeah. How about you speak to that a little bit? I mean, because that's, I think, such a big part of being an offensive coordinator is having good camaraderie with your players and stuff like that. And with Michael Floor with the Jets, I mean, we don't have a ton of details on how that connection was, you know, him and Zach Wilson, but it did seem to be a mixed bag because there were times where you would get subtle comments in press conferences from the players, you know, saying they knew our routes, that, you know, the other team was onto our play calls, stuff like that. So it, it, it did seem to be a mixed bag in terms of that department with Mike LaFleur, at least from an outsider's perspective. So um, how do you think Daryl Bevel did in that department during his time in Detroit? I think he did really well, man, because the Lions at that time had a very niche offense. Okay. So their offensive line now is a juggernaut. It features two of the best tackles in football and Decker and Sewell, and then probably the best center in football, maybe the second best if you want to split hairs and Frank Ragnow. Um, at that time, Ragnow was around, but he was still young. The offense was not the way the offensive line was not the way it is now. Even the weapons, right? Like now the Lions sport a receiving core with Amon Ross, St. Brown, and Jamison Williams and DJ Chark. We'll see if he comes back and Josh Reynolds and all these guys. But at the time, Bevel was working with Stafford, a pretty shoddy run game as it always was until this regime came in and decided they're going to not do that anymore. Um, but so not much of a run game. And then the receivers were Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones Jr., who's now in, in Jacksonville. And then Kenny's obviously near you guys over there at the Giants. Uh, getting paid to do not much. Um, but at the time, neither of those guys really generated much separation at all. Like, so like to put that in perspective, Jared Goff would not do well in this, that offense because the windows were tight. There wasn't a lot of separation. You kind of had to be uh, pick and choose where you're going to take shots, but he really, I feel like got on the same page with Stafford and they threw a ton of 50, 50 balls, man, like balls where Galladay and Jones were not very open but they made it work because Bevel was like, okay, this is what we're working with here. We kind of got like a basketball team at receiving, you know, at the receiver position. So I liked Bevel because again, he kept the lions, especially 2019, right before that, they started that season pretty well, if you remember. And then after they lost to the chiefs in that shootout game, uh, the next week, they went to Green Bay and it was Sunday night football. And if you remember, that was the hands to the face game where they called the two phantom hands to the face Vaguely, on yes. Trey Flowers. And it was, it was a debacle. Like we've had a lot of issues with refs here in Detroit, but that was a bad one. That was probably the last time I screamed in my house. Like I'm not really, you know, a yeller, but that happened. And then it went, Stafford got hurt shortly thereafter and the everything went to hell. Um, and then, even in 2020, the offense was pretty okay, was doing well, despite not a whole ton of weapons. And then uh, that just when the Patricia era really hit the hit the skids and uh, got fired after Thanksgiving. And then that was when Bevel took over as head coach. So how did, how did you feel he did in that, that interim head coaching uh, role? I know it's a, that's a tough spot, but he's, he has, he has uh, experience with that two seasons in a row in Detroit and Jacksonville. And not that hopefully he does not have to do that in New York if he does become the offensive yeah. coordinator. But, you know, I think that does kind of speak to maybe a coach's capabilities in terms of leadership and, and running an entire team. I mean, how do you feel like he, he did in that, in that tough spot? See, I think he did spectacularly in that spot because at the time, like, I think a lot of people know, like Patricia was pretty toxic, like outside of Detroit. Right. But yeah, it was really bad, man. From like a, in the building standpoint, players, like 
everything. It was not good. Um, so when he took over, I feel like there was probably like the air let back into the room. And he was like, look, we're and he won a game. The first game, I believe, that he was the interim head coach. The Lions went and beat Chicago on the road. I'm like 97% sure because that was pretty sweet. They lost the rest of the games, but I, I believe the record wasn't really – or the schedule wasn't really favorable to them. And that was a bad roster that eventually got torn apart by this current regime. Um, so, yeah, I thought he did really well when you consider what he was working with. That poor guy, man. And then next – the following season, he – I didn't think it could get worse taking over for Patricia, but it got worse. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll hop into the Jacksonville tenure towards <laughs> the end of this pod because yeah. there's definitely does seem like uh, there. I mean, we'll hop into some potential criticisms of Bevel, but it is hard to evaluate a guy whose two head coaches have been Matt Patricia and Urban Meyer the last two times he's been an offensive coordinator. I mean, that does right. that's an uphill that's an uphill battle. Uh, when Jack- when you ride. Like- Two of the worst situations in the last probably like decade or yeah. so. Like, yeah, I mean, Gase would be the only other guy that's up. Gase in New York is the only other guy you could throw in there. Was he super uh, toxic? Like, I know he had some issues, but I don't. Pretty- I mean, honestly, compared to Urban and Patricia, no. But yes, yeah. Gase was toxic. I mean, he's yeah. from around here too. He's from Ypsilanti. Uh, so, oh, so so you're partial to to Adam Gase. I liked Gase back in the day. I won't lie. Like during one of those coaching cycles, I was like, that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> So. He did have a good resume before he became he head did, coach. Man, I mean, he, he led that Broncos offense. I know it was Peyton Manning, but they were putting up like what almost yeah. forty points a game. So I and just that was it like the Christmas past Peyton Manning, wasn't it? It wasn't really Peyton Manning. No, like, yeah, it was, was like, post neck yeah. surgery. Yeah, I mean, yeah. once you saw that that opening press conference with Gase, though, and his eyes were all over the place, you just knew it wasn't <laughs> going to go well. You just were pretty certain. Um, all right, well, so when Bevel gets to Detroit, yeah, uh, Patricia had a year with uh, another guy who actually ended up coaching under Gase, Jim Bob Cooter. I believe he was the offense coordinator in 2018. Uh, in terms of him installing the offense and the differences from 2018 to 2019 for, for the Lions, I mean, what was that transition like? I mean, obviously, 2018 was was a tough year. I, the, only, I, I, the only Lions memory I have from that season is the Jets going in there on, on week one and dropping like a 50-burger with, with yep. Sam Darnold. Patricia's <laughs> first game, man. That's how That should have been a bad omen. Um I thought again, I'm I'm partial to Bevel. Like I don't think he's like the best offensive mind in football, but like for like you guys have a ready-made roster. So like if you can even get to that offense to like being competent, like 15th DVOA, like middle of the road, I feel like the Jets could easily make noise in the AFC. So I think Bevel would be a good fit because again, so Cooter, let's go to Jim Bob Cooter in 2018. Matthew Stafford is a lot of things, <clears throat> but he's not a guy you really want to dink and dunk a ton with, right? Because he's inevitably going to make a mistake. Like he's not one of these guys that stays super clean for long periods of time. So Jim Bob Cooter took away like arguably Stafford's Stafford's best asset and his like deep ball and, you know, cutting them loose, like throwing like those intermediate, intermediate like passes outside the hash, you know, that takes some arm strength. He kind of took the, he clipped Stafford's wings, if you will. And it was not, it was ugly because we the Lions were turning the ball over a ton. We were seeing some ugly offense. And then Bevel came in in 2019 and Stafford was uh, really uh, complimentary of him right away because it seemed like Bevel was like, all right, man, you've been doing this a while. Like, what do you want to do? And like, let's build this thing around what you want to do. Um, you know, what you're good at, which is what the Lions current offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson is getting, 
head coaching interviews right now for because he's like, all right, we know what Jared Goff does well and we know what he doesn't do well. Let's do what he does well, you know? So I, I'm again, I give Bevel his roses because he saw what Stafford was and wasn't and started cooking up an offense based on that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And obviously Bevel had a long tenure in Seattle where he had some success with Russell Wilson, a different kind of quarterback to Stafford. So um, very different for sure. When, That's a good point. Yeah, when Bevel came in and you guys were looking at what he did in Seattle, trying to picture how he would bring that to Detroit, uh, how do you think what you ended up getting out of Bevel, the way that offense looked, uh, compared to what he did in Seattle? Did he carry some of that over, or did he really mold that to Stafford and some of the line strengths at the time? Uh, maybe some of the running concepts. You know, he he tried to bring over from Seattle, but again, the Lions are just historically bad at running the football for so long i thought it was just like i was like it's just never gonna happen i don't know i'm 32 i hadn't it hadn't happened since the 90s you know for me so and then and now obviously they run the ball pretty well uh but at the yeah, yeah, he, test to that yeah exactly yeah yeah they they did that to a lot of people although it didn't get it wasn't great towards the end of the season and i don't know it just was up and down but uh, yeah, he tried implementing some of the same running concepts. Obviously, that didn't work so well. But passing wise, it seemed like he completely tailored everything to the way you know the way Stafford plays. Because we've seen now, Russell Wilson is a very uh, specific kind of quarterback too. At, you know, and he was in Seattle, so yeah. And how would you describe a uh, Bevel's run scheme? Because you know, Jets are kind of an outside running team, more wide zone stuff like that. So. Will we see Bevel kind of take after that, or is he more of an inside power running kind of guy? What did that run game look like with him? From what I remember, it was a lot of zone heavy stuff. Um, he didn't really run a lot of gap, you know, gap power. Like I don't because they didn't at the time to the Lions didn't really have the personnel for right. that for like a gap running scheme, like getting you know pin and pull all that good stuff counter and uh, so yeah, he tried a lot of the zone stuff and. Yeah, that 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 regime too tried to allocate resources towards that, you know, trying to run the ball. It just never really worked. But yeah, uh, I would assume, especially because y'all's running game was pretty good, was it not? The Jets at the start of the year, at the, at the start, start of the year with, yeah. with Brees and ABT, and then once they went down, they went down the shitter. But oh, Elijah yeah. Vera Tucker. Yeah. yeah, and you know, hopefully they get Beckton back. You know, was, it, yeah, okay. it seems like they'll they'll make some line changes. But yeah, I, I think Sala does want the identity of the offense to be based on the ground, and I think that will be a big thing they look at uh, with these OC candidates uh, in terms of his his passing concepts. Because now, obviously, you know, I think the thing that I am interested with Bevel is, you know, now he's for one year at least QB coach and passing game coordinator for Miami with Mike McDaniel, who was you know run game coordinator in San Francisco. So I think some of the passing success you've seen in Miami, some of it at least has to be attributed to Bevel. And I think you can also attribute maybe some of Tua's rehabilitation as a player could potentially be attributed to Bevel. So I'm, I'm excited to see or curious to see what he might look like as an OC after spending some time with McDaniel. Um, but at least in Detroit, I mean, what were some of the go-tos and priorities in the passing game? I mean, when, when you turn on a Detroit Lions game in 2019 or 2020, I mean, what are they trying to do through the air? Uh, he was really just trying to work his matchups, right? So, like, again, like Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay, they just were not great at getting separation. Like, I, I bet if we watch the Jacksonville game tonight, like, if you if there's a lot of Marvin Jones receptions, which there probably will be, Trevor Lawrence loves him some Marvin Jones, 
he's never really wide open, man. It's it's tight in there. But Trevor Lawrence has got a big league arm, so it's not a problem. Uh, but back in the day, you would see you'd see him trying to work matchups, whether it was motioning Kenny Galladay or Marvin Jones and like getting them into a favorable matchup. And then they're running a lot of those skinny posts to just try to get, you know, leverage where they can like catch a jump ball or a 50-50 ball. Back in the day, Kenny Galladay was really good at that. Those 2019 highlights, um, I feel like that'd probably be a good it made him Made him a very rich man. Those, it those did, man. That, that one season, 2019, and all of his, if you type that, I feel like that would be a good thing for Jets fans to watch. Maybe like Kenny Galladay 2019 highlights. Uh, because if I'm thinking, the way I'm looking at it, if I were a Jets fan, I know the quarterback situation is a little bit unsettled, but Bevel's been around football long enough where he's going to be like, yo, this Garrett Wilson dude is a baller. Like, I know how to make this work. You know what I'm saying? Because he yeah. made it work with Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones, who are neither Garrett Wilson. You know what I'm saying? So I I think he could cook because he's, you know, it's he's done it. He's done it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think that's that's something to, uh, that interest that intrigues me about Bevel in terms of you talk about the Lions playing basketball with their receivers uh, in Detroit. And then you look at uh, what he was working with in Seattle. It was a little bit different. Do you think he, uh, I mean, it sounds like he does a good job of, of molding his scheme to his players, but if Darrell Bevel were to come to New York and you imagine the Jets are going to make some changes on the offensive side of the ball, uh, what are some of the types of players you think he would try to bring in that would accentuate that type of offense? Do you think they really would benefit from going and getting a, a jump ball type of receiver, which they don't really have unless Denzel Mims is able to turn it around? I mean, they don't really have that. Jump. I mean, I, look, Garrett Wilson's got a crazy vertical, not to take anything away from mm -hmm. him, but uh, he's also a great separator. He's great after the catch. I mean, he can do it all. They don't have that designated, you know, jump ball, tight window type of guy, though, unless you're, you're counting Corey Davis. So I guess – uh, do you think this is one of those things where, look, he's just going to take what the Jets have and really try to mold the offense around it? Um, uh, but if not, what are some of the players you think he, he would try to bring in? Uh, I think he could do the, you know, I think, get, you know, adding an X would help, like an X receiver, like a typical big body guy would help with the Jets, just like with Garrett Wilson, too. Like maybe that X might draw the one sometimes, and then Garrett Wilson's just cooking your second or nickel or whoever you get him matched up on. Um, but like one thing I think, another thing I think of for uh, Bevel, are you guys familiar with Jamal Agnew in Jacksonville? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So Jamal Agnew got himself a payday in Jacksonville and shoot, they still use him, right? So Doug Peterson's found a way to incorporate a lot of Jamal Agnew in that offense. Uh, but Jamal Agnew really started to eat in those 2019, 2020 years under Daryl Bevel. And Agnew is a very specific player. You're not going to line him up, you know, outside the hash 60 times in a game and just ask him to win one-on-ones because he's not tall you know he's not he uh man i believe he played he played at san diego university first of all so like it was very small and you know college experience i'm sure but initially the lions just had him as a kick returner and then they started bevel started to incorporate him into as like a gadget weapon and then pretty quickly he was a you know he was seeing a lot of snaps uh on the offense and yeah, so that's like my brain is kind of going to he'll figure it out. Like I'm gonna make, I'm gonna get Garrett Wilson tw twelve touches a game if I can, you know. <laughs> Whether it's like a jet motion, like like end around, or like a push, like a pop pass, or like you know bubble screens, get him downfield. You know, yeah, that's something I definitely think he'll he'll excel at. 
Yeah, and that's actually a good transition to uh, the next thing I wanted to ask. Uh, his his creativity. How would you kind of judge his creativity as a play caller, and whether that's you know trick plays or just mixing and matching, being unpredictable. Um, obviously, Agnew is a perfect example. The way they incorporated him in 2020 and 2019 with the Lions. Um, how would you evaluate his creativity as a play caller? Uh, again, strong because he he'd come out with some trick plays and then he'd figure out ways to get some of these like specific types of players like Jamal Agnew and Kenny Galladay. Like he made Kenny Galladay a featured receiver, and as y'all are seeing now, that is no. That's no, an impressive accomplishment. Not yeah, because it is not working out right now. Like he does not need to be your one. If he's your two and your quarterback is willing to try and fit some stuff into some tight windows, then he can he can produce because he does have. I call it like man hands, you know what I'm saying? Like winning at the point of attack. Like right. that's all his 2019 highlights are. Like it's there's a DB right there, but Galladay was just stronger and more aggressive, so he caught them all. Um, he was just a 50-50 ball master. I think one critique I would have of Bevel is his sometimes insistence at like staying with the run. Like, cause man, like we would the Lions would be in a ton of like third and long situations through those years just because I get it. Like you can't. You can't not run the ball ever, but I I don't know. It's, you'd hear a lot of Lions fans like begging him to throw it on early downs just to try to stay and like stay out of some of these third and longs that would get Stafford inevitably teed off on. Um, but again, you guys, the Jets seem a little bit more like poised to be able to run the ball with Elijah Vera Tucker, and if Becton comes back, and you got Brees Hall, and so. Yeah. yeah, that's that's certainly the hope. I, I think, you know, going back to the first thing we talked about in terms of the hate that, that Bevel gets, I think a lot of it honestly stems from that uh, Super Bowl play, from passing on the one-yard line. And look, not to say there aren't. Uh, I know there was a contingent of Seahawks fans from like 2016 and 2017 that were kind of getting frustrated with, you know, uh, kind of what you're saying in terms of, I don't, I don't want to call it old-school offense, but yeah, that some of the tenets of, of those old school offense, uh, offensive principles of, you know, you gotta, and, yeah. and the jets, the jets fell into this trap too last year, where it was like, you have to, uh, uh, throw short or run on, on second and long to make yourself, uh, set up in a third and manageable situation where it's like, all right, but could we try a 15 yard pass on second down and just try to get the first down every once in a while, you know, things like that. Yep. But sure. situationally, you know, whether it's clutch situations, red zone situations, third and short, I mean, those gotta have it um, type of plays. How do you feel uh, Bevel did uh, in those situations outside of the infamous uh, one yard uh, interception in the Super Bowl uh, and not just handing it to Marshawn Lynch? And, and the rest of his tenure, and specifically in Detroit, how do you feel like he did situationally? Uh, a lot of those big time moments, I feel like Stafford would somehow they they create something where they got somebody in a favorable matchup and were able to get the conversion or he drew up something specific for Agnew or oh, they did a lot of, they would do some trick plays back in the day under Bevel. I mean, they, they do still under Ben Johnson, but yeah, I think he, he has his, I feel like he always has his little bag. Like I would, you know, that I, here's a conversion. I got to have it here. You know, I got a couple little tricks in the, in the old bag to get a, to get, uh, to move the chains if I need to. Um, Going back to the Seattle thing, I I remember where I was when that play happened. Part of me is like, I wonder how much Pete Carroll was, you know what I'm saying, though? Because they were trying to make Russell Wilson the dude at the time. 
And I always go back, like, I wonder how much of that was like Bevel being like, no, we should throw it. I, you know? Yeah, no, I, I absolutely. I think Bevel gets the criticism because he's the offensive coordinator, but uh, right. I, I really, I, I bet you somebody has to have done a, a full expose on what exactly happened there. Uh, but yes, Pete Carroll deserves some responsibility. Uh, For sure. But it, it is hard to overcome that look. I mean, that might be the biggest gaffe in Super Bowl history. <laughs> Ever, yeah. And, and if he gets hired uh, here, the New York sports radio guys will run with that uh, and, and won't be able to let it go. I'm sure. I'm, our radio, our sports radio is really bad here, and I know it's probably way worse in New York just oh, yeah. because it's a way bigger market. Oh, yeah. And it's probably, of all the markets, uh, sports markets in the country, probably has the most different number of shows. There's just so many voices always clashing. And most of it is just very fan-minded, so it can uh, can get messy, and uh, that type of stuff will be reactionary. That was kind of that was the point of the podcast is to have like measured, you know. You know, look, sometimes it's a little bit sarcastic because sometimes Michael and I do get a little reactionary. But you know, the point of the pod was to try to be as measured and rational and balanced and present both sides. Where it's like you listen to New York sports radio, and a lot of times it's just like. Go with the wind and try to get clicks and say the most absurd things possible to yep. go viral. We have right. that here, but probably just yeah. on a way micro scale, sports yeah. radio wise. Like we only have one voice, and everyone knows that he's a dummy, and we don't listen to him. <laughs> Keep it moving. Yeah, but I mean, look, if you win games, everyone's going to be silenced, and if you are going to win games, you're going to need quarter good quarterback play to do that. And like you said. Plenty of times already, Matthew Stafford seemed like he had a good fit with Bevel. He was producing in those games when they were together. Um, so looking at Stafford and how he fit with Bevel and then comparing that to what the Jets might end up with, um, the Jets' top quarterback target right now for me and for a lot of people and potentially the most likely one is Derek Carr. So looking at those two guys, comparing them against each other, Stafford and Carr, could you picture Carr stepping into Stafford's shoes and having the same sort of success under Bevel that Stafford did. I think so, man. Cause I put it this way. Like if y'all had car this year, I think you'd be playing still. Yeah, yeah. That's what we've all been saying. We all believe that it stinks. Like, you know, cause that defense is ready made sauce is actually from really, I live on the East side of Detroit. So I, my brain just went back to there, but yeah, he's from, he's from King high school. Uh, so yeah, sauces. I love sauce. I have a cat named Sauce. We do. Um, there are some a lot of Detroit uh, ties with the Jets between Sala and Sauce. Yeah, yeah, I don't know yeah, if there's anybody else sure. in the draft. Michael Floor was a Michigan guy, but oh, he's gone well. Now. <laughs> well, Bart mind. Scott back in the day. Bart That's true, Bart uh, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm sure, there's others. Wait, well, yeah. Uh, going back to Carr being a fit with Bevel, I think so, man. Because Carr's a pro, right? He he may not be ever you know he's not going to probably be an elite quarterback ever and barring some miraculous like step up this late in his career but i mean he's right in that realm with like the goths of the world like if everything's right i feel like you can win with him because he's shown that he's a competent passer in this league so yeah i think bevel you guys already got weapons the offensive line's already in good shape you know add a few things here and there and I think that would be a match because I was going to ask you guys what you thought about your quarterback position. So they're the Jets are not going to ride into next year with Zach Wilson and some other veteran again, right? Certainly, not certainly not as a starter. I mean, it's possible they could go with like a 
Jimmy G and bring back Mike White and then just try to have like a quarterback competition. Like there is a, a maybe a route for him to earn it in training camp, but I think all more than likely they're going to go after a guy like Carr or hell, maybe maybe Lamar Jackson or somebody like that. I there's I don't I just don't see them riding into the season with 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 Zach. Um, now this, right, this this is a, this is a question that we've had for um, some of the other OC candidates. Uh, talking about like, okay, well, so what are some of the other offenses around the league that that relate um, to this potential OC? You know, the Jets fans could go and watch and, and uh, you know, maybe a, a distant relative. It seems like a lot of offensive schemes are, are somewhat related. And so you can watch that and see the success or the failures they've had and kind of get a picture. Bevel's a little different because he's been an offensive coordinator for 15 years. You could literally watch, <laughs> I mean, every single season of, of him being an OC outside of 2018 and this past one. Um but is there another offense in the league with that said that uh, you can maybe point to and say that's pretty similar to what Bevel would, would try to do? I mean, I feel like Seattle, especially, obviously that's the easy one because I'm sure Carol's still adhering to a lot of those principles. principles. Um, but any of these, Jacksonville too. I feel like Jacksonville would be a good comparable one because if you bring in Carr, you, you don't, it's not Trevor Lawrence, obviously. you don't. He's not a runner and everything like that. But – They'd move. I think that that offense would click because all it really needed this year was competence. And it like, yeah, you guys would have beat the Lions. Like the Lions really didn't play a good game in New York. Well, the first they beat the Giants pretty handedly, but uh, the Jets, that was not a, the best game. But that was honestly just a, it got decided because Goff was way more competent than. And that was Jack that was one of Zach's better games, honestly. I mean, he was just, but he missed. Know, he threw up so many prayer. throws. I know that I know that one to Elijah Moore. That was that was crazy. But he missed Goodness. so many throws over the middle that like so many of those gimme throws that just move the, the sticks and keep him out of those third and longs. And it's like, yeah, you're right. It is the difference between winning and losing for a number of Jets games this year. So I do think that's why they're going to go with the veteran. And that is also kind of why a guy like Bevel to me, I don't think fans should necessarily scoff at him because I do think I think he's an average offensive court. Would you agree with me? I feel like if you had to rank him in terms of like what you're going to get. Okay, sure. You having Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, that Chiefs level offense, probably not. No. Although, as you said, he did have the shootout with them a few years ago. But can Bevel bring you, uh, especially with the talent that the Jets have on the offensive side of the ball, an average NFL offense, which I know Jets fans roll their eyes at, but they literally haven't had an average NFL offense since 2015. Um, so do you feel like, yeah. yeah, do you feel like that is, if the Jets bring in Bevel, I mean, that's kind of the, the type of offensive performance they're going to get a guy middle of the pack, you know, is going to do some things. Well, maybe he's not the the flashiest or, uh, you know, Ben seeing what Ben Johnson's doing with the lions. Maybe he's not that level, but certainly can, can raise the floor of, of what this jets offense has been. Definitely, man. Cause I, I think that's, if I had to guess, like if I had to try to step in the mind of Salah, that's what I would think is going to happen because Salah's like, all right, I got this defense. I got some dudes on rookie contracts on this defense, like we could add a couple pieces and then really be cooking, you know, I don't really like, I wouldn't be gambling. You know what I'm saying? Like if I were going to, I'm going to put it in like a restaurant analogy, like I'm going to, if I'm really this hungry, like I need a good meal to, to really get me right. I'm not going to roll the dice on something that's unknown. I'm going to go to my, one of my, just my staple, you know, always going to hit above average, at least, you know, meals. And I feel like that's what Bevel is going to be. You know what you're going to get with Bevel, especially if you pair him with a vet like Carr or Garoppolo or anybody with like some semblance of uh, QB competency and he's going to be your offense is going to be good. 
not good. I don't think you're going to light the world on fire, but he's going to figure out how to get Garrett Wilson going. He's the run game should. I mean, his run game, if I'm not mistaken, outside of his tenure in Detroit, his teams were always pretty decent at running the football, particularly those teams in Seattle back in the day. Right. So, yeah. And Adrian Peterson yeah. back in uh, in Minnesota, his first stop is OC. Yeah. And he, I know Dude, Adrian, he had Peterson, Adrian Peterson cooking in Detroit, even. That's you guys true. remember? Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah. He brought Adrian Peterson's career back to life for a little bit there during those. That's like that's like that's years. like Ed Reed on the Jets. I mean, that's just one of those that you don't you Frank forget Gore. happen. You miss the Frank yeah, Gore comparison. Or, or Frank Gore on the Jets. Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but looking back to the Detroit tenure, and you talked a little bit about some of the good and bad that that offense um, brought to the table those couple of years with Bevel. Um, turning that over to the defensive side of the ball and how they um, would plan for this Lions offense, what types of opposing defenses do you think uh, Bevel's Lions had the most success against? And then what kinds of defenses do you think caused the most trouble for them? Um. Teams that would really heat up Stafford. So like any of the defenses that would just be like, eh, we trust like if they had pretty good cover corners and could like put their ears back and like send six or seven after Stafford and that line just didn't really pat protect him that well. And then they were always in, they were behind the sticks. I feel like all the time, like rarely were the Lions ever throwing the ball from like advantageous down and distances. Um, so any team that would really heat him up, I feel like Bevels, those offenses were having a tough time against. But if you if they sat back and like allowed Stafford to figure it out, then I feel like Bevel usually could, could get things going pretty well. So yeah, I feel like, like I feel like Bevel in in like my you know, it's only been a week since they fired the floor. And so I've watched a little bit of Bevel and kind of my initial takeaway, and you let me know what you think of this, is he's kind of the type of offense coordinator that is gonna get you the output to the level of, of your personnel, meaning like if you have a good team like he had in Seattle and he has the type of personnel, I think that's an offense that thrives. I mean, look, he had multiple top five and top 10 offenses in Seattle, but if you mm -hmm. go and give him a team that doesn't have the good offensive line has middling quarterback play or receive, you know, it's like, is he the type of guy who can overcome uh, a, a very weak roster? I don't know. Maybe he can get them to like, top 20 type of offense. But if he's a guy that, you know, let's say Becton is healthy and they do get ABT back and they're able to, to redo this offensive line and, and Brees and Garrett, like, you know, this offense really comes together from a talent perspective and they go and get a guy like Derek Carr. I do feel like Bevel is the type of offense coordinator that could have this Jets offense humming and you feel good about him. Uh, do, do you feel like that's a fair assessment of him that he's kind of like the type of OC that will just get you to the level of, of talent that you have, but maybe not anything more than that? Yeah, I mean, he some of those the Lions were playing backup quarterbacks at towards the end of 2019 when Stafford went down and things went to hell. Um, and he, you know, he tries best, man, because uh, they were playing. I found David Blau. Yeah, uh, it was tough, man. There was Thanksgiving, some, uh, but yeah, but then even remember that Thanksgiving game. My brain is sick and it remembers things like this. And he came out on the first drive and they took a shot and they got, I believe it was Galladay, and he got caught because he's slow, but. Uh, it was like a, it was a big gain, and I was like, "Okay, Bevel." He said, "He's saying I'm not. I don't care today. We're not doing this because <laughs> it was ugly for a little bit there." But I feel like it's difficult, especially in the NFL, where everything is so close in terms of talent level and parity. Like if you don't have 
at least okay quarterback play, tough life is going to be tough. Yeah. Because defenses can be like, all right, we're just going to put seven in the box. We don't, we're not scared of you throwing the ball. Life is going to be hard. <laughs> yeah, we saw that. A few we times. saw that against the Lions. Yeah, that, exactly. That's exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They were probably the most disrespectful, I think, out of any team the Jets yeah, face. Absolutely. Which also burned Aaron Glenn several times, man, because one of the only the few times you guys moved the ball was when he sent like seven after Wilson and Wilson just threw YOLO balls. He's like, all right, yeah. whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That That is probably why Wilson ended up having one of his better games. Um, all right. Yeah. So this. Oh yeah, and he had Jeff Smith before the half. He had the the pro day throw to Uzama. He did have some some nice some nice balls <laughs> yeah, in that one. Uh, yeah. To summarize, I guess strengths <laughs> strengths and weaknesses with with Daryl Bevel. I mean, how would you characterize overall what he does well, and then you know what Jets fans might not like if he becomes the OC. So hopefully, because I know he had a year off in between Seattle and Detroit. Okay. So if you go back, I like, I looked up this stuff just before I got on so I could talk about it accurately with you guys. And uh, he had a year off and I feel he talked a lot at length, even like they did a lot of, he did a lot of self-scouting. Um, so I, and honestly, with the way the Lions offense was equipped during the Patricia era, I thought he did pretty well. Like he had Stafford, playing well enough to where Sean McVay was like, you know what? I'm going to trade for Matthew Stafford. You know what I'm saying? And I'm going to move heaven and earth and sacrifice my team's future. And, uh, but my only like real qualm with him during that era was just predictability on like early downs. Like if, if God forbid, like y'all can't, hopefully y'all can run the ball next year. The Jets can, but if you guys can't right? if the, if the run game just isn't getting going, I would hope that he wouldn't do what he did in Detroit where he's like, wow, I still got to try, you know, because then you're right. just putting, you're putting car or whoever third and eight plus, you know, multiple times a game, six, seven, eight times a game. That's a recipe for disaster. You know what I'm saying? It's just tough to convert those. Yeah. And that seems so. like something that maybe with Michael floor, uh, do you agree, Ben, maybe like first down uh, a little predictability with the run game yes. could be an issue because yes. you know, the Jets were supposed to be a ground to pound team early in the season. They were a very good running team, but um, it was quickly apparent after those big injuries that they were no longer a running team, but it seemed like the philosophy shift never happened to kind of match those injuries. So um, that's something we would definitely like to see. And, and like you said, I think the year of self-reflection is a, big thing for coaches in the league. It's something that I think Adam Gase could have definitely used because, yeah, you know, he had a sure. tough tenure in Miami. Then the Jets go and hire him a couple of weeks after he gets fired. I don't think that was going to be enough for him to really process that tenure and get what he sure. get the, you know, self-reflection that he needed to learn from that. Maybe he could have panned out better if he did uh, get that year. So it seems like he did benefit from that, but we'll see if, you know, a couple of years have passed since then. If he, can maybe build on that as well and see depending on how the Jets run game goes. But um, one of the years that he has had since those two in Detroit was that 2021 season with the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's the biggest thing that con concerns Jets fans that I see them talking about when Bevel gets brought up. They say, why would you hire the guy who led that Jaguars offense last year? Um, you have some thoughts on that Jacksonville season with Bevel. Guys, I'm not even okay. I'm gonna preface this with like I'm not even a Michigan guy. Okay, so I didn't go to the University of Michigan. Not a Michigan guy, but my goodness, I don't think you can take anything away from what happened in Jacksonville in 2021. Like DJ Chark came to Detroit, and this man was talking like 
coming to Detroit was like reaching the, like, oh my God, this is like so night and day to what I was dealing with in Jacksonville. Right. I'm sure people read that athletic article. Like Marvin Jones is one of like, will always be one of my favorite players just from like a human standpoint, just like a great dude. His family is great around here. Marvin Jones, there's a story in that athletic article where Marvin Jones had to be like held back from going to fight Urban Meyer. And again, <laughs> I didn't think Marvin Jones would go fight anybody. I was like, that's really crazy because he's just such a nice human. I mean, he's a baller, but yeah, I was like, wow, you really pissed off Marvin Jones that bad. So I think what I told you guys pre-show, it, it's tough to go like, you know, Bevel took over for the Patricia era which was really toxic. And I was like, man, no way it can get worse than that. And then it did the next year. It got worse. Urban, that was wild. Like I never would have thought it would have gone that bad, but it did with Meyer. And I'm yeah, not a Michigan side, So again, I'm like, you know, I don't hate them for no reason, right. but holy cow. <laughs> no, I, I think it's, that's the thing for me. Like when I talk about Bevel, when I think about him is like, yeah, it was bad, but I mean, do we really think anyone in his shoes there would have been successful? I mean, Urban Meyer was just a, an absolute disaster in every single way. And you could just look at the Jaguars now and just by getting him out of there, how much more competent it is. So uh, I don't hold Bevel to that too much. And just the talent as well, you know, rookie quarterback. So um, I don't really hold that against him. So bringing it all together. Picturing him as the Jets' offensive coordinator if Daryl Bevel were hired by the Jets. And this is also considering who some of the other candidates are. Um, Greg Olson is out there, former Raiders OC. Brian Johnson, Eagles quarterback coach. Um, but other, other than Greg Olson, it's a lot of inexperienced guys such as Johnson. Uh, the Patriots tight end coach is in there. Marcus hey, Brady, the Colts OC. experience. Was fired. Um, so comparing uh, Daryl Bevel amongst some of these hires, if – he is the guy who the Jets chose. Would you say to Jets fans that it's a good hire? I mean, I think so, just for the reasons we outlined, right? Like, if the Jets were a completely rebuilding team, like if you guys were the Bears, right? Like, the Bears are going to stink next year still. Like, their fans are like, we got all this capital and money. I'm like, listen, brothers, like, <laughs> going to be tough for a little bit here, let me tell you. Um, but if you guys were a completely real bit rebuilding team, super young roster, I'd say, well, you know, take a swing on a young offensive coordinator, let him grow with the, you know, with the Derek Carr, or with the young quarterback later on or whatever. But because the, the defense is kind of championship caliber, like right now, and you got, you know, pieces in place on offense, I would go with the more, if I'm Salah, I'm thinking, all right, you know, I could go young with the offensive coordinator and try to get something, spicy and flashy and yeah or whatever you know you want to call it but i think i might go with the tried and true horse who i know what i'm going to get like especially if you guys are planning on going to get like a Derek carr or a jimmy g you know i feel like that'd be a good pairing both them dudes have done it for a long time whoever you go with quarterback wise and if bevel like bevel's seen some stuff now man all them years in seattle dealt with the maddie p years in detroit yuck then he went to urban meyer holy cow so again i think Fans, Jets fans, I hear y'all. I, I get the the trepidation, but I would just delete the Jacksonville. <laughs> delete it, man. You can't count that to anything. Yeah, and you know, you never know how that could have affected in a positive way. I mean, learning from right. that nightmare of a situation. I mean, maybe it, it toughens him up and <laughs> exactly. And, well, I mean, and maybe it allows him to handle New York a little bit better. I and as I said earlier, I'm ex I would be curious to see what a year under Mike McDaniel and and rehabilitating Tua. Uh, has done for, sure. for, for his career. Um, 
with that said, though, like you said, I mean, I think there are sexier and, and more exciting offensive coordinator candidates they could hire. But if they hire him, this isn't like, you know, when the Jets hired Gase two years ago, the feeling, the pit in my stomach I had, where I was like, oh, they made a mistake. And we all knew it immediately. It wouldn't be like that. I would be like, all right, look, they can have a top 15, 16th ranked offense. I mean, I think that's the type of offense performance you're going to get, which maybe isn't the most exciting thing. Perhaps it's better. Perhaps you're getting a great season out of out of Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall. and Derek. But, like, at the very least, I think the Jets would put together an NFL-competent offense. And while I – I would have said he would – it would be – questionable if he'd be an upgrade over Michael Floor. Maybe I would still say that. The thing to remember is this Jets offense didn't have a single touchdown the last three weeks of the season. And I don't know if That's I wild. see that happening with, with Daryl Bevel. Exactly. Maybe if, if, he's, if he's straddled with, with Zach Wilson, maybe. But I feel like Bevel that and that experience uh, would have helped in times like that to get the Jets at least a few field goals. <laughs> you know, at least maybe one touchdown. Um, in the in those situations, and then if he has the personnel to match, I feel like he is the type of OC that that can um, squeeze the most out of it. It's just, do you go for the big swing and and worry about striking out, or do you just try to get on base here with, with this with this hire? And I think that's kind of uh, what the Jets have to weigh. And who who knows? Maybe he's maybe he's grown and improved uh, after the last few seasons. But Morgan, like I really appreciate said, man, you. If y'all, were, if y'all were competent on offense right now, you still playing. You're, you guys are talking exactly. about a wild card weekend. So that's where I look at it. I'm, I'm sure yeah. Salah's looking at it that way too. What, I just need the, to get my, what's, you know. Mike, what's the stat again where it's like they lost five games where they only allowed a touchdown or something crazy like that? I forget the exact. <laughs> something I don't like that. I know they allowed the fewest points per game and losses this year. So that's just... the Lions offense and the Jets defense this year. Oh, without easily. Yeah. Yeah, these, these two teams were just like polar opposites. Like Lions, de- yeah. Lions had the Jets' defense. They are on a yeah. bye right now, and they're getting ready for the Super Bowl. If the Jets they, have they, the Lions' yeah. offense, we'd be on a bye right now. They started yeah. slow and, and finished well, and we yeah. started great and just collapsed. And yeah, yeah. No, it's yeah. two teams very, very. I know they are kind of well. They they hired each other. You know, Campbell and, and Sala hired at the same time, and it, it kind of feels like uh, the two teams are on a similar trajectory in terms of um, we're basement dwellers and then are trying to work their way up. And both of them just narrowly missed the playoffs this year. And uh, I, I like the lions. I I know we said it beforehand. I kind of feel like the lions and I would, I, brothers. Right. I, yeah. I like, I, I would have maybe thrown in the Browns in this group, but they are AFC and now they've, you know, they've have had a few seasons and they've traded for some, some guys and have some talent. Yeah. Yeah. So like, uh, I'm not going to include the Browns, but I feel like the lions are, are, uh, I don't know. Kind of like, I don't, I don't hate them. You know what I mean? Like if if the lions are in the playoffs, I'm definitely cheering for the lions. I want, I feel for any fan base that has had to deal with anything remotely similar to what we've had to deal with. So with that said, Morgan, I, I hope, uh, you guys have a great off season. I, I hope the lions are primed for a great year. Uh, I'm very interested to see what they do at quarterback and, and some of the moves they make. Um, but, but, but thank you so much for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. Let, let our listeners know where they can find you, where they can follow you. Always looking for, for smart NFL accounts to follow. And as we said, it kind of feels like the lions and jets are on a similar path. So I'll always be interested to to keep up with what's, what's happening with them. Yeah. I appreciate y'all, man. Definitely. Uh, let me know if you ever need me on again. Um, if they I'm play. a big fan of the jets, love Sala, uh, love sauce, obviously both, uh, native, uh, Metro Detroiters sauce from the East side and then Salas from Dearborn. So, yeah, big fans. Um, 
you guys can find my stuff at prideofdetroit.com. And then uh, Twitter handle is just mcannon313. So, but yeah, appreciate y'all having me on, man. Well, thank you for coming on. Uh, let us know. Daryl Bevel, offensive coordinator. Let us know. Tweet us at CYJPod on Twitter. Comment, YouTube comments below at JetsXFactors YouTube page. Uh, I have a feeling a lot of a lot of people are anti-Bevel. We'll see if this podcast has shed some light into some of his positives or if people are digging their heels in that they don't want to uh, go for this type of a hire. Let us know. Very interested. Let's start the discussion. So with that said, thank you for listening, everybody. Have a great week. Go Jets.